The reading this evening is from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. And it can be found on page 1066 in the Church Bible. That's John 3, verses 14 to 19. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. What a joy to be here with you. What a privilege to stand here before you. What a responsibility to open the word of God with you. When was the last time you received good news? I hope not too long ago. But a few weeks ago, I was going to take my kids from the bus stop. They come on a school bus. And I saw something in the mailbox. I took it. There was the logo of the electricity company. And I thought, okay, something else to pay. As I was walking towards the bus stop, I opened the envelope and there was a check inside. 500 euro from the electricity company. When my neighbors complained about how expensive it became, the government's actually helping people, uh, families with, uh, with kids and with lower income. Sometimes, sometimes that's good. Uh, to have lower income, and that was a, a voucher from the electricity company. Not, nothing to pay, but actually they gave me money. That was such a good news. I got to the bus stop, I showed it to the other parents. <laughs> they were not very happy. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder when you received a good news last. As Christians, we claim to have good news to preach, to proclaim. As Christians, we claim to have the Good news. And um, I was wondering, I don't know whether you ever checked, but I was wondering why English people say gospel. It comes from good spell. Did you know that? I went to find it on Google. Good spell means good um, message, good story, good news. So in Italian, we use the word Vangelo. Vangelo comes from the Greek word Evangelion, which means the same thing, good news. I found out that in Welsh you say evangel, something like that. Is that right? More or less. (laughs) That comes from the Greek as well. Good news. So the gospel is good news. That's That's why we are called evangelical Christians. We are Christians of the gospel. And that's a very old name, like Lindsay Brown showed a few years ago on one of his books. And that's why we engage in evangelism. We believe in the proclamation of the gospel, the good news. Now the gospel brings salvation. The Apostle Paul 
wrote this in Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We see at least three things in these few words. One, the power of God is displayed to the world through the gospel. How, do the world, how does the world see the power of God? Through the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God. Number two, the gospel is a saving message. It brings salvation. The gospel is so powerful. It brings eternal salvation to lost people. And three, we must believe the gospel in order to benefit from God's power, from salvation, to, to receive the salvation, in order to be saved. Because it says, to everyone who believes, we must believe in order to be saved. Now, what, what do we really mean when we talk about good news? We keep saying that, good news, good news. What do we mean? What is the, this good news all about? What is this powerful and saving message? What do people need to hear, understand and respond to in order to be saved? What's the gospel message? How would you answer this question if somebody asked you? If a friend asked you, okay, can you explain me the, the gospel message? What words would you use? If you were given five minutes on BBC One, speaking to the whole country, what would you say? How would you explain the gospel in few words? It's a good exercise, actually. We do that when we train students in evangelism. How would you explain the gospel? Briefly, shortly, concisely. Let me tell you a story. Once I attended a conference organized by a student group. Um, it was a Catholic, Roman Catholic student group. And um, the, I can't remember the theme of the conference, but it had to do with humanitarian commitment of the church in the African continent. And the main guest, the main speaker, was a Roman Catholic priest who had been a missionary in Africa, I can't remember what country, what countries, for many years. And this priest, as he was speaking, really encouraged me. Because he was saying, he was underlying over and over again the importance of proclaiming the gospel. He was saying, we must preach the gospel. We must share the gospel. We must proclaim the gospel. And I was very encouraged to hear that because I agree with him. It's not enough to help those in need because there's a greater need than physical needs. And there's a spiritual need of salvation, of reconciliation with God. So, yes, we engage in social action, but we must proclaim the gospel. I agreed with him. So, in his presentation, he didn't have time to go deeper on the gospel content. And there was a time for open questions at the end. So I raised my hand, thinking to do him a favor. And I said, in your presentation, you spoke. You mentioned many times that we must share the gospel. Can I ask you, what's the gospel message? Because I'm afraid not everybody knows what the gospel message is. Now, I love these kind of questions, especially when you speak in a more formal context. Because sometimes you cannot go into too much religious stuff. But when somebody asks you a question, then you're free to share whatever you want. So I love those kind of questions. And I think he loved it too. He said, thank you very much. It's a very good question. It gives me the chance to explain a bit more. The gospel is that we are all brothers and sisters. And we must love each other. For this very reason, we must love each other. Because we're all brothers and sisters. That day, 
I learned that different Christians can use the same words and yet mean different things. The gospel. What's the gospel? What is the gospel message? Now, the idea that we're all brothers and sisters, we must love each other, it's a beautiful thing. It's a very important message. But it is not the gospel, as we know it from the Bible. I would like to take you to that which I believe is the most concise, short, compressed, and yet complete definition of the gospel we find in the Bible. And that's John 3.16 that we read before. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, an expert of the Jewish Bible, who did not understand very well God's plan of salvation. So Jesus is trying to explain things to him. So after reminding him the story of the people of Israel in the desert when the snake came and they were dying and and God told Moses to build a snake and put it on a stick so people who were beaten beaten? beaten by a snake had to look up and they would be saved miraculously. That's in Numbers chapter 19, 21. Sorry, you can have a look later. After, after reminding Nicodemus of that story, then Jesus says these amazing words. God loved the world so much that he gave his, own, his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die eternally, but have eternal life. These words are amazingly rich. That's the whole Bible. Starting from God, ending with eternal life. And these words also touch on five points, which I think are fundamental when it comes to the gospel. Let me underline them for you. God... The mighty creator, the world as people who live in the world, loved by God and yet who rejected God, separated from God. The Son, Jesus Christ, eternal life, which is the great promise of God, what we hope for, what we wait for, and believing as the condition to receive that eternal life. God Sin, the world, sin, the Son, Jesus, eternal life, the promise and the need, the necessity of believing. Because the gospel, the Christian good news, in fact, is about these things. The gospel is about God, the eternal creator in whose image we were created. And to whom we are accountable for the way we live. We all one day will meet God. And give an account of how we lived. The God who loves us and wants us to have a loving relationship with us. God is part of the gospel message. The world as the place where men and women live. The world that is marked, stained by sin. The world that because of sin is literally separated from God who is the source of life. Therefore we are dying, perishing using Jesus' words. And because of sin, 
Yeah, we're going to face God's judgment. Sin is the bad news that comes before the good news. There is no, it makes no sense speaking about good news if there isn't a bad news first. And then the Son, Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus, of course. We call it the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who he is, the eternal son of God, God himself, as the Bible reveals him to to us, who came down and dwelled among us. What he did, he died on a cross, he took our place, he took our shame, he took our sin, and he was punished in our place. And then he rose from the dead three days after. And what he, Jesus, will do, he will come back and judge the world and rule forever. The gospel is about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. And the gospel is also about eternal life. The amazing gift that God offers to all of us who, by nature, deserve death. By nature, deserve God's judgment because of our sin. Eternal life is the hope for Christians. Paul says we don't hope only for this life. We hope for that life, eternal life. We don't follow Christ because we hope in a better life here and now. We don't despise it either, a nice life. But our ultimate hope is eternal life. And that's one of the problems, one of the problems of prosperity gospel. Focusing on here, now God is blessing me here, now. Forgetting that we hope in eternal life. Eternal life is not a prize we must deserve, like a degree, like a medal, like World Cup football or whatever sport you follow. It's not a price we must deserve. It's a gift we must accept. That's a huge difference. I see many people struggling with this. We must earn salvation. No, you must accept salvation. It's not a price. It's a gift to receive. So the gospel is about eternal life. The hope of all those who believe. Because the gospel is about believing as well. Believing is what me and you are called to do. Everything else, God did it for us. But we must believe. We must believe in Jesus to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Believing is important. The gospel message says that um, also those who refuse to believe will perish. Sometimes a useful way to understand the verse is to put it upside down. Those who believe will have eternal life. Put it upside down. Those who do not believe will not have eternal life. Will perish. Believing is necessary. As far as we know, it's the only way we can be saved. Believing in Jesus. That's why we engage in evangelism. Proclamation of the gospel. Important to get this right. God is not saying... I find that very often talking to students, talking to people. God is not saying, if you don't believe in my son, I will kill you. God is saying, you are dying and I want to save you. It's not a God who wants to judge and punish you eternally. It's a God who wants to rescue 
for eternal death, which is the natural cause, consequence of our sin. And that's why we invite people to believe. Evangelism, a friend of mine once, is not informing others of Christian doctrine. It's inviting others to embrace the gospel. We're not informing. That's my mistake very often. When I share the gospel with some people, I, I say what I believe. So what do you guys believe? Oh, we believe this. I make a list of things I believe. And then we need to invite people. So do you believe it? It's, a, it's very unpopular nowadays to invite people to embrace another belief. But if we don't invite people to believe, how can they believe? The evangelist Michael Green used to say, preaching the gospel without inviting people is like fishing without a hook. How can you expect fish to, to eat the, the whatever? The bait. But fishing without a hook, it's a challenge. If we don't invite people to believe, how can people believe? So next time you have the chance to share the gospel, ask yourself, did I speak about God? Did I speak about sin that separates us from God? Did I speak about Jesus, who he is, what he's done and what he will do? Did I speak about the hope we have in Christ of eternal life? Did I invite people to believe? Ask these questions. Remember the answer I received that day. The good news is, is that we are all brothers and sisters. And for this we must love and serve each other. There's no mention of God. There's no mention of sin. There's no mention of Jesus. There's no mention of eternal life. There's no invitation to believe. We must proclaim the gospel in a world that doesn't know the gospel, in a world that is dying without Christ. The other day I was preparing for, I was preparing this message. My wife asked me, Do you have any applications? I said, um, I mean, I'm speaking about the gospel. No, you need some applications. I came up with 10 applications, <laughs> but they're very short. <laughs> so let me close with some quick applications. Number one, believe the gospel. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I don't know many of you. I don't know the majority of you. I don't know where you stand before Christ if you believe the gospel or not. But the main, first, most important application is believe the gospel. Because if you believe the gospel, you'll be saved right now. Remember, the gospel is the power of God for salvation of those who believe. So believe the gospel. Knowing the gospel won't save you. You may be able to go outside today and and say, well, there was an Italian speaker tonight who shared about the gospel message. You know, it's about God, it's about... Jesus saving us is about believing, it's about eternal life. Knowing the gospel won't save you. It's believing the gospel that will save you. So do believe the gospel if you haven't done that yet. Two, rejoice in the gospel. Remember the angels speaking to the shepherds. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Jesus is good news that brings joy. Rejoice in the gospel. There's a song, a glorious song of the English tradition. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I walk the dungeon flamed with light. I don't know what he's saying here. I'm not English. It's very old English. But I understand the words that come after. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne. And claim the crown through Christ my own. These words should cause us to rejoice. The gospel is joy for the nations. Let the nations be glad. Rejoice in the gospel. Don't lose that joy. Three, proclaim the gospel. Remember the book of Acts. When the church was persecuted, everywhere they went, they proclaimed the gospel. They shared the gospel. They gossiped the gospel. They preached the gospel. Do proclaim the gospel. Don't think it's the job of the evangelists. Because we're all called to evangelize, to share the gospel, to share the good news. Pray every morning. Lord, give me some opportunities today to share something about you. Proclaim the gospel. Remember the gospel. What do I mean? 1 Corinthians 15.1 Paul says, Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Christians need to re- remember the gospel. The gospel is not just for non-Christians. We need to keep the gospel at the center of our life, of our churches. That's why we take bread and wine, to remember That's not about what we did. It's about what he has done for us. Remember the gospel. Keep on preaching the gospel. Encourage each other with the gospel. Don't forget the gospel message. Number five. Preserve the gospel. I read now 1 Corinthians 15. 1 verse 2. The verse after. Paul says, By this gospel you are saved. If... You hold firmly to the word I preach to you. If you hold firmly, it takes one generation for a church to stop proclaiming the gospel. The next generation will be very loose on the gospel. The generation after will be lost completely. We see that happening over and over again in history. Preserve the gospel. We must hold firmly to the gospel. To use Paul's words to Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to us. The gospel message. Number six, flee from false gospels. Galatians 1.8, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Run away, Paul says, or kick them out if that's the case. To be harsh. But we must do that. And build unity with those who proclaim the gospel. Seek unity with those who preach the gospel. Saying we love Jesus is not enough. 
or we respect Jesus is not enough. There are lots of cults that honor and love Jesus. What Jesus are we talking about? What gospel are we talking about? Unity is built on the gospel. So flee from false gospel. Number seven, don't lose confidence in the gospel. In the West, we don't see much fruit as they do elsewhere. Colossians 1.6 says that the gospel bears fruits in the world and life are transformed. We know that the gospel is bearing a lot of fruit. It's bearing fruit even among us. Sometimes we think, okay, the fruit I see is not proportional to my effort. Have you ever felt like that? Don't lose confidence in the gospel. Because 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 100 years ago, today the gospel is power of God for salvation of those who believe. We proclaim the gospel. The rest is God's responsibility. So don't lose confidence in the gospel. It's still powerful enough to save and transform lives. Number eight, let the gospel transform you. In Acts 26, 20, Paul says, Everywhere I went, I preached the good news that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. The gospel transforms us. It's not just about something you believe in your head. The gospel enters from your head, it goes through your heart and reaches your hands. So the gospel of Christ will have an effect on the way you use your holiday, the way you use your money, the way you use your brain, your intelligence God gave you, the gifts you have. Whether you play an instrument or you're good at football or you're good at drawing, God will use that. The gospel will transform you and use that for his glory. It will make you a better husband, a better wife, a better son, a better daughter. The gospel transforms us. So let the gospel transform you. Don't just stop at knowledge. I know the gospel. Because if the gospel hasn't transformed your life, I wonder, do you know the gospel? Let the gospel transform your life. Number nine. Find rest in the gospel. Nothing, Paul says in Romans 8, can separate us from from God. Whether it's suffering, whether it's persecution, whether it's whatever you want to put in that list, nothing can separate you. Whatever storm you're passing through at the moment, find rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you from God. And number 10, we made it, engage in global missions. Don't forget that. Somehow get involved in global mission. Whether it's by going, by praying intentionally, by supporting missionaries. But we have a global mandate to reach the nations. In Romans, um, in Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus says, Jesus says, Go into the whole world and preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 28, the same thing. Make disciples of all nations. Before the throne of God, there will be people from all nations, even Italians, even Welsh people. Do not forget about global mission. As local churches, a pastor of a local church, it's very easy to be so concentrated on things around us. 
let's not forget to engage in global proclamation of the gospel. So here are ten applications. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That saves us, that transforms us, gives us a purpose, gives us eternal life. Makes us feel loved. Thank you for the people who proclaim the gospel to us. Help us to be, for others, those who preach and proclaim the gospel. Invite them to believe. Help us not to water down the gospel. Help us to preserve the gospel, Lord. Pray for Highfield Church, and for our church in Siena, and for all the other churches represented here, that we may keep on being gospel churches, evangelical churches that preach, proclaim, believe the gospel. We ask you, in the name of Jesus. Amen.